Well, what's that? You have a problem with your ears? I'm Dr. Brian Forrest, and this week on Access Health Radio, we're going to be talking about some common ear problems and what you need to know about them. And I'm Mike Davis. Thanks for joining us here on Access Health Radio. Dr. Brian Forrest is a board-certified family physician from Apex. We'd like to take a moment to acknowledge the companies that support Access Health Radio. Thanks to Marley Drug in Winston-Salem for supporting our show. They mail order generic medications directly to your home with free shipping, often at costs that are much lower than the big box pharmacies. You can check them out at marleydrug.com. You also can inquire about their direct program. They have a membership program that our patients take advantage of, uh, which is only $30 a month. And then all generic medications get shipped to our patients for free. Uh, We'd also like to thank We Care Pharmacy of Apex for sponsoring our tip of the week. You can check them out at wecarepharmacyapex.com. You can also call them at 919-629-6010. And we'd also like to thank Dr. Badwan at Wake Family Eye Care for supporting our show. You can check them out at wakefamilyeyecare.com. Dr. Forrest, if folks have questions about today's topic or would like more information about your practice in Apex, how can they get in touch with you? Well, after the show, they can listen to an on-demand podcast at WPTF.com if they miss part of the show or have somebody they want to listen to it. Or they can also, we upload those to Apple Podcasts as well uh, under Access Health Radio, so they should be able to find it either place. If they want information about our practice in Apex, they can go to acchealth.com. That's A-C-C. H-E-A-L-T-H.com, or give us a call at 919-363-0190. And, you know, occasionally we have mailbag shows, and if uh, people would like to have their questions answered on the show, they can send those to accesshealthradio at gmail.com. Dr. Forrest, I was just thinking about this. I don't think in, in at least in the five years or something, which I can't believe it's been five years that we have been doing this uh, program, but I don't think we have ever talked about ear problems. And I know that ear problems are a common reason that people go to the doctor. Well, you know, they are. And ear problems are actually what made me want to become a doctor in the first place. I went to a uh, doctor when I was a child, uh, Dr. Garibrandt. And, uh, you know, I was having a lot of chronic ear infections and, you know, they were talking about doing surgery and taking out my tonsils and adenoids. And I'll never forget, Dr. Garibrandt said, we're going to try one more thing. He said, I want to teach you how to clear your eustachian tubes and equalize the pressure in your ears. And once he taught me how to do that, I never had another ear infection. And so I said, you know what, if, uh, if his job is making kids' ears not hurt anymore, I said, I, that's the job I want. So it's actually what got me wanting to be a physician in the first place. I, I never knew that story, and that's really cool. I did not know that was your motivation. That's, re- that's really cool. Yep. So uh, what I, what I want to do today is cover the three things that I see most often in adults with their ears, and then briefly talk about ear infections in children. And um, let's start with what I've been seeing a lot of lately, including last week. I saw a really severe case of swimmer's ear, or what sometimes people call otitis externa. And if you get water in your ear canal and it doesn't dry out fairly quickly, it can get infected with bacteria, with fungus, and that can cause pain. It can cause drainage. It also can kind of stop up your ears and make it hard for you to hear. 
You know, that's interesting. You told that story about what motivated you to go into medicine. This actually reminds me of a story from my childhood. It was sort of the opposite. Uh, I had allergies and asthma very badly as a, as a child. And my doctor, my pediatrician, recommended to my parents that I not go into the water into a pool or into the ocean or whatever they didn't want water getting into my ears now i don't know what the backstory to, to all that was uh, but it does make me wonder uh, what do you actually do about swimmers ear well you know swimmers ear typically almost all the treatment for it involves prescription eardrops and those eardrops contain usually a mixture of antibiotics and a small amount of a steroid to help decrease the swelling and discomfort in the ear canal. Um, and once you start using those drops, usually the symptoms improve in just a few days. Um, but it's also important to keep uh, more water out of your ear while you're treating swimmer's ear. And also, you know, one mistake I see people commonly make is they'll get swimmer's ear and then they'll stuff cotton in there. They'll put the drops in and then they'll occlude their ear with cotton. And we really want your ear open to the air. We want to be able to get air in and out there. So once you put the drops in, uh, I always recommend patients leave their ear up for about 10 minutes. And then they get up and just let that drain out onto a tissue or something like that because everything's coated. Uh, but you don't want to block up your ear canal with anything. Oh, okay. So uh, what are the best ways to prevent swimmer's ear in the first place, Doc? Well, mostly you just want to make sure that when you do get water in your ear, that you don't let it sit in there for an extended period. So let's say you get out of the pool for the day, you should try to kind of tilt your head over, gently shake your ear. You can also pull down on your earlobe or rub right in front of your ear canal to help break the seal of surface tension that holds that water in there. Um, and you can even use a hair dryer, you know, set it on low so you don't cook your ear. Uh, but, <laughs> but you can use a hair dryer to sort of gently dry out your ears, you know, after swimming too. Um, most importantly, and this is a key point I want to push today, don't use Q-tips in the ear canal. Uh, that tissue in there is very delicate. It's a very thin layer. And if you use Q-tips, it may feel good right then. You might get some water and stuff out right then. But you can very easily damage that layer and cause an entry point into the skin for bacteria. Uh, so don't use Q-tips in the ear canal. Um, but there is also something that when I was in medical school at UNC, the ear, nose, and throat department was using to help prevent swimmers' ear in the swim team. And they would have the swimmers mix one-half rubbing alcohol and one-half white vinegar in that small little white cap on the alcohol bottle. Mm -hmm. and, then put, and then take that mixture and put a few drops of that in each ear after they were done swimming for the day. And that alcohol helps break that surface tension and helps the water run out. It also acts as a disinfectant. And the vinegar lowers the pH in the ear, which makes it less suitable for, you know, germs to grow. And, you know, the members of the swim team that we took care of said that this worked really well. Um, a couple of cautions, though. If you already have swimmer's ear and you put alcohol in your ear, it could really burn severely. So don't do it if you've already got a problem. Mm. And also, you don't uh, want to get that mixture in your eyes because it would burn really severely. So I always tell people, you know, turn your head so you're not going to get it in your eyes. There is an over-the-counter version that has boric acid in it. Um, but I usually actually prefer the mix that uh, UNC ENT came up with. One, one note of caution, if for some reason, let's say you have tubes in your ears 
or you had something happen and you have a hole in your eardrum, you can't do that because that solution could actually go through your eardrum into your middle ear and you don't want that. So that kind of thing only works if your eardrum is fully intact and if you don't already have some kind of problem in your ear canal just besides trying to get the water out. Okay, so that's one half rubbing alcohol and one half white vinegar. White distilled, white distilled vinegar, yep. Very good. It's time now for the Access Health Tip of the Week. We've already had one great tip. This one brought to you by We Care Pharmacy in Apex. Check them out at wecarepharmacyapex.com. <laughs> We touched on this already, but it's important. The important tip is that when you're cleaning or drying out your ears, people always think that a cotton swab like a Q-tip is the best solution, and it absolutely is not what you should use. It even says right on every box of Q-tip type swabs not to use it inside your ear canal. It's very easy to damage those thin walls, and it can both make you more likely to get an infection as well as possibly stimulating more wax production. So if you want to clean out your ears, there are some over-the-counter kits that have some drops and a little water bulb that you can use to sort of rinse out your ears, and that's much safer to use than Q-tips or any, any cotton swab like that. All right. Thanks so much, Dr. Forrest. Straight ahead, more good information on common ear problems today on Access Health Radio. We're talking ear health and ear problems today on Access Health Radio. I'm Mike Davis with board-certified family physician, Dr. Brian Forrest. Dr. Forrest, you already indicated before the show that in adults, most of the time in people without swimmer's ear, that ear pain is caused by eustachian tube dysfunction. Can you tell us more about that, what that looks like? Yes, Mike. First, uh, you know, eustachian tube is a very hard to spell word. Don't worry about that. <laughs> the, uh, <laughs> the, the, important, yeah, the important thing is that uh, this is a tube that goes from the inside back of your nose uh, into your inner ear. And it's, the purpose it serves is helping equalize the pressure. You know, for example, when you go up in altitude, like in an airplane, you know how your ears feel pressure mm -hmm. and sometimes you'll feel them pop. Well, that's that eustachian tube. Same thing happens, you know, if you're driving up to the mountains and you change your elevation pretty quickly, you'll feel that same sensation in your ears. Right. And that's the purpose of that tube is to equalize that pressure. But there are some people that are just prone to it not working well. Um, and usually, you know, things, irritants like allergies can make that worse. And if the tube gets stuck in the closed position, what happens is it creates a vacuum, a pressure vacuum. And when that happens inside your middle ear, it can pull fluid into your inner ear. And that pressure can of, often be felt as sort of an occasional, you know, sharp pain. Patients will tell me, you know, I'm, I'm doing fine most of the time. Maybe my ear feels a little stopped up, but then I'll have this sharp stabbing pain for just a couple seconds. Um, and this is usually the cause. So mm -hmm. there's nothing in the canal when I look in there, except I can see behind the eardrum a lot of times that there's some fluid. Mm -hmm. And I would say in adults, about 90% of the adults that come in thinking they have an ear infection or blockage actually have a eustachian tube uh, dysfunction or blockage as the actual problem. So how can we prevent or fix these eustachian tube problems? Well, first is what some call the Valsalva maneuver, and uh, which is a, a little hard to teach people, but sort of once you get it, uh, you know, you can use it yourself to help prevent ear pain and ear infections. And this is the exact thing that Dr. Garibrandt taught me when I was a child. 
And what you do is you actually hold your nose closed and you gently increase the air pressure in your nose, kind of like you're, you're going to blow your nose, uh, but you don't actually blow it. Um, and you try to push a little bit of air into the, that eustachian tube to open it up. Mm-hmm. And it really should be done very gently with slight increases in pressure. I always tell, tell people to close their eyes when they do it. Um, and then as they go they're they'll hear either a squeak, which is a tube opening up and letting a little air through, mm-hmm. or sometimes they'll hear a pop. And then all of a sudden they notice that their hearing is much better. And it actually sounds sort of like they're in a large concert hall mm-hmm. or a echoey room for a few seconds. And, uh, you know, I tell patients you know, once they learn how to do this, not to do it over three times a day on, routinely, because if you're doing it all day long, you can sort of irritate the tube. Uh, but it's very useful when you're flying. Uh, when I'm flying, as soon as we take off and I know that pressure change is getting ready to happen, I go ahead and, and open up my eustachian tubes. It's also helpful, you know, when you're doing those steep elevation changes in the mountains. Or even I've been in some buildings that were tall enough that uh, even on an elevator ride, I would start to get that pressure sensation and I would go ahead and do this valsalva maneuver and clear my ears. Um, second, to help prevent the tube from being irritated, if you've got allergies or if you've got nasal congestion or runny nose, uh, if you frequently have post-nasal drip or that kind of thing, then you really should be using the over-the-counter inhaled nasal sprays like Flonase or Nasacort. And those can decrease the inflammation around the eustachian tube and help keep it working properly. And sometimes we'll layer on top of that decongestants or you know non-sedating antihistamines like Claritin D24, and that can help open it up as well. Uh, the main thing is that, you know, the most common cause for ear symptoms in adults um, is this eustachian tube dysfunction. And a little prevention can help prevent ear pain. And it can also help prevent the buildup of that fluid in your ear. And you don't want fluid in your inner ear, you know, behind the eardrum, because that can eventually lead to ear infections, even in adults, although the middle ear infections in adults are a lot rarer. So we've talked about some of those common adult ear problems. Let's go back to what got you interested in medicine to begin with. What about ear problems in children? Well, the main difference uh, in children is that uh, they very often suffer from eustachian tube dysfunction. And part of that is because in children, the eustachian tube hasn't matured yet. Mm -hmm. It really needs to to take a position, sort of a a gravity-driven position that helps it. And sometimes children, the eustachian tube just hasn't matured enough to sort of help out with that. And this is the reason that they, children, get the most of the inner ear infections. Also, people call that otitis media. And once the fluid builds up um, in the middle ear from that natural tube not being able to drain the pressure, it can get infected with bacteria. And therefore, children are much more prone to get these inner ear infections. And, you know, in the past, the distant past, uh, you know, and this was actually getting ready to happen to me Mm -hmm. before I learned how to do this valsalva maneuver, doctors would actually remove tonsils and remove the adenoids. So that used to be a thing happened all the time. I'm sure you remember that. Yeah. And uh, they would do that to prevent kids from getting ear infections. Uh, The other things they did is they would put tubes in the ears, which really meant they would put a small hole in the eardrum, and then they would put a little tube in there to basically make you an artificial way to vent that pressure Mm -hmm. and and to drain it since your own internal eustachian tube wasn't functioning. Uh, and so they still do that some today. We still right. also, there's actually laser tympanostomy now, which is basically where 
Uh, if they want to put a little small hole in your eardrum to drain that pressure, if your eustachian tube is not working, they can actually take a laser and just pop a little hole in your eardrum wow. and uh, help it at this point. Um, but, you know, that still is done with the tubes in the ears and the holes in the ears if the eustachian tube is not functioning well. But in children, these type infections are the ones that may need oral antibiotics. So in adults, again, usually most ear problems aren't middle ear infections. But with children, very often they are middle, uh, middle ear infections, and sometimes those do need antibiotics. On the other hand, in some cases, they're not, because sometimes either the eardrum will get a little tiny pinhole in it that will drain, mm-hmm. and the ear infection may resolve itself. Uh, so if it drains, a lot of times it will it'll just drain, it'll resolve itself even without the antibiotics. So, uh, you know, you don't always get antibiotics with inner ear infections these days. Uh, but many times this is when kids will get put on stuff like amoxicillin and augmentin and medications like that. All right. Thanks, Dr. Forrest. Straight ahead, Dr. Forrest is going to recap our major points of the day. Our Access Health Radio's Trivia of the Week is also coming up. This is Access Health Radio. We're talking ear problems today. I'm Mike Davis with board-certified family physician, Dr. Brian Forrest. Dr. Forrest, it's time for the Access Health Trivia of the Week. Well, the smallest bones in the body can be found in the middle ear. Uh, This is the stapes, also known as the stirrup, anvil, and hammer, the incus, and also the malleus. And the circumference of the middle ear where all these bones are contained is only about the size of a pencil eraser. Uh, So those small bones transmit the sound waves picked up by the eardrum to the nerve cells that tell the brain what sounds you're actually hearing. I remember seeing the pictures of those as a kid. I thought that was really cool. So Mm -hmm. what are the keys that we'd like folks to take away from today's show about ear health and ear problems, Dr. Forrest? Well, first, don't stick anything inside your ears, uh, including cotton swabs, Q-tips, and those type things. Those, a lot of times, can really create more of a problem than they help. Um, so, you know, I, I've heard the rule before, don't stick anything in your ear bigger than your, or smaller than your finger. That's because your finger really won't go very far <laughs> into the ear canal because right. it's fairly small. Um, the second point today is don't let water just stay in your ears. Um, you know, if you swim a lot, or even if, you know, some people, uh, they tilt their head in a certain way in the shower and they'll get water in their ears, even in the shower, you don't want that water to just stay in there. So either use the preventative drops like we discussed, um, and again, if you're going to use that, make sure you always consult your physician to make sure you don't have a reason you can't use that, like uh, uh, ears in your tubes in your ears uh, or some reason, some irritation you have that you couldn't use that. Uh, third, make sure that your allergies are actually controlled because, you know, the number one reason I see that people have eustachian tube dysfunction is from their allergies not being controlled. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and lastly, if you ever see blood come out of your ear, you're having substantial hearing loss or significant pain, you always need to see your doctor and get it checked out because you never know what might be going on in there. I've actually pulled live insects, mm-hmm. bumblebees, uh, and all sorts of things out of people's ears. So if you ever have any of those problems, you definitely want to get it checked out. Yep, that happened to my son once with a cockroach, and that's all I'm going to say about that. That's all the time we Ooh. have for this Ooh. week, Dr. Forrest. Our scripture this week is from Mark 4, 23 through 24, the King James Version. If any man have ears to hear, let him hear. And he said unto them, take heed what ye hear with what measure ye may. It shall be measured to you and unto you that hear shall more be given. 
Thanks for listening to the Access Health Radio Show. We look forward to joining you again next Sunday at 4 p.m. Until then, God bless your health.